Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, rejoined at last by Andrew Holly. Holly, how we doing, man? Doing just fine. Sorry I missed you last week, but you did a fantastic solo performance. Um, you know, it it, uh, it it's not an easy thing to do by yourself. So so nicely done, sir. But it's certainly nice to be back this week. Aside from the results of the last two games. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's good to have you back. It is really hard to do a, a solo podcast. I mean, talking for 36 straight minutes was – that was grueling. But I'm, you know, not as bad as whatever the Ravens put together on Sunday in their 40-25 to 25 loss uh, to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Ravens dropped to two and two, zero and one in the division, and they lose their stranglehold on the AFC North as the Browns take it from them. Um, we are going to talk about the Browns game high level. We'll talk about our offense, defense, and special teams, and we will look forward to the Pittsburgh Steelers game, Steelers Week Part One. We go to Pittsburgh, and that's going to be a re- another really important one. So we've got a lot to get to. So let's hop right into it. Oh, boy. All right. So I guess bright spots, right? The offense, not bad. Yeah, I mean, there were obviously moments we'd like to have back, you know, whether it be the turnovers. There were three, you know, and they came in bad moments. Um, there were misplays or 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 rather plays that should have been made, whether it be catches that weren't pulled in players who didn't stay in bounds somehow um, to just, you know, the aforementioned fumbles or turnovers rather. I mean, the fumble by Mark Ingram, things that just don't happen happened. I mean, and without a few of those things, it probably would have been a, you know, pretty good day on offense. I mean, you probably could have added, to at least at least one more touchdown on the board. I don't want to get too crazy, but you know there there were some big enough plays left on the field for one reason or another that that like like you said the offense did not have despite the output despite the uh, difference in score they they actually weren't that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, as we go along this episode, first of all, credit to the Browns defense. They were down a few guys in their secondary, and, and they all looked pretty good. Um, they performed. They did. Absolutely. I mean, that's one thing you have to give credit as much as I, over the years and probably a few weeks ago, laughed and, you know, talked about the Browns and pretty much dismissed them. Well, I was obviously an ass. And, you I know, mean, they're, they're way better than I want them to be. Um, hopefully that doesn't continue, but they look, they look pretty damn good. They look like they're coached fairly well. And, and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they looked like who everybody thought they were going to be. So yeah. yeah, credit to them. You know, the, the difference between these two teams is not as big as it seemed on Sunday. Um, you know, I thought one of the bright spots on the offense was the offensive line. I think um, Ronnie Stanley, for the most part, did a really good job against Miles Garrett. And, you know, going back to that draft, 
Um, we we looked forward to these Garrett versus Stanley matchups year in and year out, twice a year. And um, as good as Miles Garrett is, I think Ronnie Stanley did a really good job on Sunday. I think he's also been really good this season itself. And I think everybody across the line has been pretty good as well. So if you're going to look at a bright spot, that is one. The second one is the ground game. Again, 173 yards on the ground, which is a lot. Um, they just I think this happened to be just the first game that the Ravens have not outrushed their opponents since Lamar Jackson took over last year. However, that is not on the running game. You know, they put up 173 yards, which is still another really, really good performance. Um, Lamar Jackson, good again. I mean, he did have the two interceptions. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say something here that, that's going to sound bad, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. He's regressing to the mean. And by regressing, I don't think he's getting worse. I think he's just not having. He's leveling out. He's right. Leveling he's out. yeah. He's, he's not. He's a, never going to be as good as he was week one. Exactly. Week exactly. And and you know he's never he's he's never going to be able to consistently put up perfect pass ratings. But again, three hundred yards of total offense, three touchdowns. He did have the picks, as we mentioned. But, you know, he's still putting up solid numbers. He is on pace to have 4,000-plus um, passing yards, 40-plus touchdowns, um, almost 1,000 rushing yards. That is insane numbers uh, that he's putting up. So I think he's still doing a really, really good job at the helm. Um, you mentioned it, wide receivers, you know, some, left some plays out there maybe. But overall, I think the offense – Certainly not the biggest problem on Sunday, and that might be the most obvious statement of the year so far. But, I mean. No, you're like right. It. You're right. There were definitely some bright spots. I mean, even even with the receiver, I mean, it's good to see Boykin starting to get involved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Seth Roberts has been making some plays the last few weeks. Um, you know, and that's nice to see. Um, so there, there definitely are some some random bright spots along with the what what you mentioned. You know, I, uh, to call out someone else specifically on the offensive line, our pick for for left guard has been pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall Bozeman has been fantastic. Um, of course, I say our pick in quotes <laughs> since we we neither one of us chose him as who we thought would would start <laughs> the year, but he's doing he is. Just as we we sort of the Mia culpa that we brought up after he was named the starter, you know, he's that guy who is that typical Ravens progressive pro bowler guy. That guy who's that, you know, mid late round undrafted free agent guy that gets in the system for a few years, then becomes the unheralded starter who suddenly turns into a guy. You know, mm-hmm. Bo, that's exactly the track that right now that Bozeman is on. And if he continues to show what he's showing, I expect him to likely be the center next year and maybe even be at one of the anchors on the offensive line. Now, of course, that's me with my purple colored glasses on. It's only been four games, but he's stood out. I mean, it's rare when you look at guards, I think at least for a guy that isn't isn't Mr. X's and O's as he watches a football game. When you see certain offensive linemen stand up, stand out during a game, I mean, he's downfield carrying blocks. 
it's pretty impressive to see. So, if, of course, with the ground game we have and the overall play of the rest of the offensive line, it's great to see a guy like Bozeman really step up and, and, and grab his role. Um, yeah. You know, there, there, of course, are those disappointments on – I mean, the biggest disappointment is, of course, Chris Moore on that pass on, on the sidelines that – some you know, they, they called it a catch and rightfully – you know, threw a flag as soon as they showed the replay. It was almost like he tried to step out of bounds. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it, I, honestly, it almost looked like he tried to do a tiptoe, but specifically stepped out of bounds instead of staying in bounds. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't like to fly off the handle. And of course, the, everyone, if it, anyone that listens to this podcast is probably laughing as I say that, you know, I, I never like to call for players' heads. Let me put it this way. But Chris Moore is supposed to be the veteran, you know, the, one of the veteran presence guys on this offense. Otherwise, why else is he there? But at the same time, what has, aside from, I'm sure, fantastic special teams coverage play, I'm not sure I'd ever call him a great returner, although he ha- has had some moments. What else does he bring to the table? Because if he can't make that catch when he's essentially wide open along the sidelines, what else is he there for? I mean, I, I, I just don't get it. We should be able to find somebody else better off the street. Yeah, I mean, that's as open as you're going to get in the NFL. Um, you know, he played the least number of snaps among all the wide receivers. That was his lone target on the day. And, um, yeah, I pretty bad, pretty bad. But like you said, He's going to have to find a way to contribute. You know, he did have a few kickoff returns um, in the game, uh, you know, spelling Justice Hill. But, you know, maybe it's time that we get a guy like Jaleel Scott some snaps. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, yeah, otherwise, otherwise he's, he's just contributing on special teams. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that Scott has also contributed on special teams in the past as well. So, you know. Really got to see what's up there. Um, well, and you know what? We've already got, at some point, I know special teams is important. I'm not trying to downgrade it in any way, shape, or form. But we're, we basically have, if Chris Moore can't be a, a, a capable wide receiver in the moments we actually throw to him, that means we have two of our wide receivers who are only special teams teams players. Special teams coverage players, essentially. And at least Seth Roberts, when he's been given some moments the last few weeks, catches the ball and he's made a couple plays. You know, so at some point we need to start thinking, hey, you know, maybe I want an extra linebacker, you know, get rid of this joker. And and like you said, play Jaleel Scott. Um. But we can we can get into roster roster moves in a little bit when we when we talk about the other side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about special teams a little bit too. But like you said, I mean, if he's specific to special teams, that gives us three guys on the roster that are special teams specialists. I guess between Bethel, Cyrus Jones, and Moore, and I'm not sure that's the best utilization of the 46 guys that are active every Sunday. So. It's it's something to keep an eye on. Maybe you know if they shake things up a little bit. I think the coaching staff, front office, not really happy with with what's going on, particularly on the defensive side. 
but we'll see if some of that boils over onto the offense as well. Um, like I, I, I like that you mentioned Seth Roberts. I was going to mention him too. He had five targets on Sunday, which is a lot better because we kept talking about finding another option in the passing game after Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. Seth Roberts provided that. You know, he never really had huge plays, but five targets is nice. Uh, Miles Boykin had three targets, so definitely spreading the ball around a little bit more, which is certainly good to see. The and I offense, liked, uh, not mm-hmm. to not to interrupt you real quick here, TK, but you know, I I, I also like Miles Boykin. You know, I, I like the touchdown catch. I like that he recognized where the hole was in the defense, and he went to that. He mm-hmm. broke off his route and recognized Lamar was running around a little bit, and and got a touchdown out of it. You know, that stuff like that. That is is nice to see because as we've talked, you know, previously, we haven't had guys that seem to be able to run around with the quarterback. Now, maybe some of it at times was our quarterback wasn't really able to just find the open guy, but it never felt like we had wide receivers that would find the holes in defenses. And it's it's cool to see a young player with his second NFL catch is his second touchdown. Um, that That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's happened twice already this year. Marquise Brown as well. Absolutely. Didn't, yeah, didn't he have two catches, or did he have one in yeah. between there? Oh, who, Marquise? I think yeah, in, in the Dolphins two, I game. I think his first two, yeah, I think his first two were touchdowns. Pretty cool. I think we've hit on those wide receivers. Hopefully so. Yeah, no way. We're talking too early on that one, but we'll see. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, time of possession. First time we've lost... Or, or maybe the second time, I forget now. But we lost time of possession, which is always such a weapon in our direction. Um, you know, we we lost by just about 30 seconds on um, on Sunday. You know, usually that's a huge advantage for us, keeping the other offenses off the field. But, the you know, there's two sides to that coin. It's the one, the offense hanging onto the ball, and the, and the other one is the defense getting off the field. And, um, you know, maybe maybe if you're if you're – Done with your points talking about the offense, we can uh, transition over to the defense because there's a lot to talk about here. Um, do you want to? Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, absolutely. Let's let, let's go ahead and go there. I mean, we can transition by by talking about time of possession and how important it was, and and why that was so impacted by the defensive play. As you know, as, as we talked about, look the. The offense had had a, a pretty good game. They, they weren't terrible. Could they have been better? Yes. But that wasn't where we lost the football game. But for the offense, it got late early. I think I was texting you in the first half, already thinking about, shoot, the Browns in this drive, if we don't stop them here, they could be up two touchdowns. And will the Ravens be able to have enough drives to catch up or, or rather enough stops, I guess I should say, to be able to withstand that lead. And it turned out they didn't. Now, of course, my my the ebbs and flow of the game from the point I was texting you in a panic versus, you know, I, I certainly thought at later points of the game we might have had a chance. But it, it got late early, and it mm. was hard for the offense to try to – try to keep up because the defense, let's face it, 40 points at home. That's just God awful. That's not Ravens football. That's putrid. 
530 yards after giving up 503 last week. Over 1,000 yards in two games, over 70 points in two games. Like, these are probably, like, the back-to-back worst defensive performances in, like, 20 years in the, in the Ravens' history. I, like, I can't, I can't remember anything, like, quite like this. But I would there like to start— There were some years—there were some—okay, the first— how old were you in 96, TK? I don't want to date us, but how no, old was, were you in 96? I was four. Okay, you were four. I was, God, what was I in 96? I was 16, 17, depending on, you know, when the season was going on. So, it was, there were some terrible teams, or terrible defense, defensive performances that year. I mean, there mm-hmm. were, there were games where, I mean, you know, the, the offense was actually pretty good. Vinny Testaverde and the wide receivers, and, you know, they, they made some plays. Michael Jackson, may he rest in peace. Not that Michael Jackson, but the other one, the, the wide receiver, Michael Jackson. Anyway, they're both dead is what I was trying to get at. Um, and and uh, we had Jermaine Lewis. And then, oh, God, Calvin uh, ended up and went to the Chiefs. I think his name was Calvin, but I'm, anyway, the other wide receiver, and they were they were pretty darn good. But that defense was so putrid. I mean, it was basically Ray Lewis and nobody else. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I can really equate it to as far as the Ravens' defensive performance, because from there it steadily got better mm-hmm. because the Ravens were adding defensive players in the draft, whatever. So at that point. They, you know, the the Ravens' identity. Now there were, you know, that the after that year after the Super Bowl, our defense was pretty crappy. Um, Even the year of the Super Bowl, we were middle of the pack. Yeah, well, that's true, but this is this isn't middle of the pack defense. I'm afraid. Like I, yeah, at least the way they're playing right now. Um, I, you know, we saw I think some signs of concern. The first few weeks where, you know, the 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 cornerbacks seem to not be playing up to their capabilities, or I shouldn't say cornerbacks, but the the DBs as a whole. And I start to think now and go, okay, are they trying to do too much because the front seven sucks? I will say yes. And I was trying to think about, you know, what is going on here, like – you know, what is the root cause of, of some of this stuff? And like you said, I think it is guys just trying to do a little bit too much. Um, you know, that secondary knows that there's a lot of pressure on them. You know, even the even the guys in like the second level uh, of coverage, like some of the linebackers and the, and the safeties that are playing closer to the line, you know, they know there is a lot of pressure on them, too, uh, because of, you know, a not consistent pass rush and a not consistent uh, edge setting in the in the running game, so I think everybody's just overplaying a little bit, and and that's taking away from a lot of discipline, um, and it's putting guys, it's it's guys putting themselves in bad spots. So I, w- whether it's whether it's undisciplined linebacker coverage, you know, biting on on a lot of misdirection or play action and that kind of stuff, and and leaving guys uh, open underneath over the middle uh which has been a which has been a major problem everybody's just trying trying to do a little bit too much and i think if if you really just scale it back a little bit 
everybody do your own job so that other people can do their jobs, things would look a lot cleaner and, and we'd be a lot better off. I would like to shout out Marlon Humphrey for another another pretty solid, actually pretty good performance. You know, he did have a couple penalties, but you know, being matched up against Soto Beckham Jr. all day and only allowing two catches is really, really impressive. So on the defensive side, I think he is certainly one of the bright spots. Oh, there's no question. Humphrey's the only guy you can call out and say he balled out. Um, he he had a pretty damn good game. I mean, to to hold Odell Beckham to zero catches for the longest ever in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was sort of like, you know, the Odell Beckham, uh, will he catch a pass, you know, sort of alerts on the screen throughout the game. You know, I mean, that's a pretty big deal that he was able to keep him, you know, off the board for so long. Of course, during that time we had what seals is his name seals Jones. Am I saying that right? That guy, that guy had a monster game and, um, Landry Landry. had a monster game, you know? So as much, as much as I love the fact that, that we, uh, decided to focus our efforts on, uh, shutting down ODB. Unfortunately, that meant we, uh, we, we let everybody else have a game, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and can't forget Nick Chubb on the ground. He had a massive, massive game. He had 20 carries for 165 yards and three touchdowns. Um, let me ask you, was Dalen Mack active on Sunday? You know, I, he I was, he was, he was How Brandon Williams. Did he get not many actually? Um, let me let me look at the chart here, but but basically Brandon Williams is a really weird situation. Actually, um, was got hurt Saturday and then tested it out Sunday and, and didn't play. But then you know John Harbaugh said it's not an injury; it's just a pain thing, which I don't understand at all. But Dalen Mack only played nine snaps on Sunday. You know, coming in for a I guy like Brandon he's... Williams. I I think he would play a little bit more than that. Okay, so Dalen Mack only had, um, how many did you say again? Nine Nine. snaps? Yeah. So he had nine snaps. So how many snaps did Michael Pierce have since he would would have been the main clog in the middle without Brandon Williams? He was out there for 52, which is is a little bit more than usual for him. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. Um, So I would hope that that there's some reasoning behind that, whether it was – the Browns working too quickly that they just couldn't get Pierce off the field. I mean, that's possible, but you think they still would have rotated Mac and more, you know, I think we'll see that more of course this week with the Steelers with, with Williams likely out again, it looks like, but you know, I, I have some real concerns now about the depth of the defensive line about really as, as I've sort of hinted at the depth of the front seven. I mean, let's, let's think about the talent here. I mean, let's just overall talent, taking the the DBs out of the game, because we all know that the DBs are the best part of our defense. You've got Matt Judon. Who else? Brandon Williams is really good. Michael Pierce can also be very good. I think Chris Wormley's a solid player. Solid. Uh, where, are, where are our pro bowlers? I don't know that Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce are pro bowlers. Judon, maybe. Where are the other pro bowlers on our vaunted defense in the front seven? 
Yeah, well, well, I mean, that was that was the thing that everybody said nationally was, you know, here goes all this talent, whether it's Suggs or yeah, you know, Mosley and and those guys, and and you know, in the draft and in free agency, didn't do all that much to bolster that, and and you know, we I, I at least thought that we were going to be okay, but um, I think that along that front seven, I think Peanut is is having some trouble adjusting to the mic position because you know he's out there for 90 percent of the snaps whereas last year he was out there for you know almost half of that maybe if half of that so he's just in a few more uncomfortable positions for him and maybe maybe we can talk about some of the guys we brought in now but one of the other concerns that i had was the edge setting and and you know I, i first learned about edge setting uh, watching Jarrett Johnson, and he was so good at it, and then Terrell Suggs was so good at it, and we had a, a series of defenders who snap in, snap out, set the edge, and I'm just not seeing that now, and and one of those guys was supposed to be former third-round pick Tim Williams. He's been on the hot seat since last year, finally ran out of time. He only played seven snaps on Sunday and was waived by the team earlier this week, Um Kind of a big move, but again, DaCosta shows he's not afraid to move on from guys that aren't contributing. And, um, you know, I had high hopes for him this year, but again, Tim Williams will not not be part of this team going forward. Yeah, I, I, I think it needed to happen. I'm surprised it didn't happen in training camp. I think we, we had kind of, at least I did, I think we both sort of did prior to training camp, kind of called both he and Bowser out and said, okay, it's time. You guys need to perform or you're gone. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the Ravens weren't able to really find enough competition for them uh, in training camp because I think both of them would be gone had they brought in any other real talent to compete with them, whether through the draft or, or what have you, you know, free agency. Um, the Shane Rays of the world didn't quite do it, despite maybe some initial intrigue. Um you know, through their veteranosity. But I mean, we've got Permanel McPhee, for Christ's sakes, who's trying to be the leader of our defense because he's the only guy that has any Ravens cachet. And that sucks. You know, I've been hoping that, that you know, Earl Thomas, I think, and, and look, I'm not going to, I don't want to get into the, oh, he, he didn't run because he wanted to save his hamstring business, whatever. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he's not washed up. Certainly, you want to see him start making some plays, but he's got to have some time to, to, you know, incorporate himself into the team before we see a guy like Earl Thomas truly assert himself. So now we have to look at a guy like Pernell McPhee be the leader of our front seven. That sucks. We go from Terrell Suggs to a washed-up Pernell McPhee. Yeah, yeah, that does I mean, suck. I'm not, and, look, I, and, and no, look, he's been, for, for what he's been doing the last few years, he's been playing his ass off. I'm not trying to point at certainly. Pernell McPhee mm-hmm. and say he's the problem because he's, I don't think he's been necessarily playing poorly. Maybe the stats would, would prove that wrong, but I don't think he's part of the problem right now. It's just the problem is he's like a focal point of our defense. That's the problem. He needs to be part of a rotation. 
Mm-hmm. That's when he was good for us was because he was part of the rotation of a very deep linebacker core. We had to go sign Josh Bynes, to six years past or however long it's been since we last won a Super Bowl and he made that tackle to, to save the game. So I don't know. I, I'm trying to not be. I'm trying to not be. The sky is falling on defense because I don't truly feel that way. But it's just hard for me to see the improvement that's going to happen. There are certainly some very concerning things, like you said. I mean, what is the identity? You know, if, if it's a if it's a veteran Pernell McPhee leading the team, you know, what is what is really the identity here uh, of this defense? And you know, they might might not really have one right now because they've only really played one overall good game, and that was Week One. Because uh, even against the Cardinals, they got lit up for 350 yards, whatever it was. So. Yeah, yeah. There, we need, have, we need there to... have been warning signs since week two that this mm-hmm. defense was not what we wanted it necessarily to be. Whether it can transition into like that Super Bowl winning defense that was at least just middle of the pack, hey, that's all we need. Potentially, with this offense, is just a middle of the pack defense. So maybe if we can get some a little bit better coverage, maybe some guys take their heads out of their asses and start playing some football. But that's a lot of hope, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, we, we also brought in free agent LJ Fort, who is a middle linebacker. He plays that spot that CJ Mosley played last year. So maybe that puts... Uh, Peanut back over to his old spot, back in that rotation with him, Kenny Young, Chris Board, um, Anthony Levine, and even Deshaun Elliott, who played some inside linebacker, and get that rotation going again and get really put each guy in in the best spot for them. Uh, I think that'll really help. Uh, It's like I said earlier, it's really just getting back to what you're good at, getting back to doing your own job so that everybody else can do their own job. And I, I think things will tighten up a little bit. And that's really, really going to be on that coaching staff. And, you know, we haven't really talked about the bulletin board yet. But, you know, that's what I'm leaning towards is that coaching staff, you know, getting back to the fundamentals here. Because as, as many as many solid players as we have in the secondary, they keep getting exposed. And, and you know, I, I think that Earl Thomas has actually been pretty good uh, you know, so far. And, you know, it, it looks like he keeps getting exposed. It looks like Tony Jefferson keeps getting exposed because they're just out of position. They're trying to do too much. And yeah. I think particularly Tony Jefferson might be trying to do a little bit too much. Uh, and instead of putting him in spots in which he can just play to his strengths and, and, you know, look, this defense needs him to be good, to be good overall. And um, it just hasn't been there so far, especially, especially in these past three weeks. So well, I mean, and easier now, just to add mm-hmm. on to what you're saying and, and sorry to interrupt you there, but you know, Jefferson is now wearing the green dot. So he's now the guy like Weddle was last year calling a defensive plays. That was with Peanut earlier in the season. So now that's been moved to Jefferson. So it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses if it stays with Jefferson. Um, if it ends up switching to, you know, maybe somebody like an LJ Fort, even though he's new to the team, if somebody like that starts integrating himself and playing more 
maybe some or a binds, maybe somebody like that will come in and pick up the defense fairly quickly and be able to wear that green dot. Now the difference is with the defense now they did change the defense. Mm-hmm. Now now not the the specific defense they changed the language um, early on in the season, so it's not necessarily going to be easier for say a Josh Bynes to come in and say, Oh, well, I remember this, like you see Ravens defense and call because a lot of that stuff have, has now been changed, but that's got to be a factor at this point. Cause obviously Mosley could wear it last year along with Weddle. Mm-hmm. So between the two of them, you know, there were, there were, those were the guys with the green dot. So now it's Jefferson apparently after peanut. So all that all that defensive communication is going to play a large role in whether the Ravens can improve, and we'll see who can handle it. Yeah, for sure. And and you know I just happened to notice a pattern with Peanut wearing the green dot and the defensive performance. I'm not sure if it is particularly about that. I don't think it is, but it just is a pattern that has happened even last year now, and it's reared its head again. Uh, the switching of the green dot, but like I said, just do just just simplify things. Do your job. I know it's a complicated defense, but just do your own job. Know your own job, and and I think things will get cle- cleaned up a little bit. But that's not to say that it's going to be easy going forward. Um, you know, you know. Let's talk about the special teams really quick because I know you you, you meant you touched on it earlier before. Special teams solid return game in the kickoffs you you were talking about it a little bit before we started scary times man scary times i mean justice hill had another muffed muffed uh muffed catch i mean he hasn't turned the ball over yet but when when is that going to happen i think chris moore ended up replacing him later in the game you know at but you know chris moore doesn't bring a whole lot to the table aside from speed um he doesn't appear to bring a lot to the table there at least anything that Harbaugh trusts, you know, as a kick returner either, because otherwise he'd he'd be our kick returner. Um, I we need to figure something out. I don't know really what the answer is. It's disappointing that Hill can't be that guy. He would seem to be the perfect perfect weapon in some respects for that. Um, you know, I, I, this just popped into my head as I was as I was just talking, and maybe I'm this is just like a crack dream or something. Oh, but go for it! Let's did, go. Did Gus Edwards ever return kicks last year, or even in? Do we <laughs> no. know that? No. I no, mean, not no. that I think he'd be a kick returner, but you know what? He can run in a straight and a line and truck some people. You know, <laughs> we just need him to get to the twenty-five. You know, um, I don't know. I I'm just thinking out loud, but we've got to find something out. Or figure some something out. I mean, can Jones not be the kick returner either? Is there a reason why he's just a punt returner versus a kick returner? I'm not sure that there's a particular reason. I I, I honestly don't know. But you know, I, I mentioned it before. There's there's a few guys that are only getting snaps on special teams, and and it seems like for the majority of the time, it's Cyrus Jones. It's Justin Bethel, no defensive snaps. It's Chris Moore, who's who only had one target uh, on offense, and uh, more special team action. And the other guys, Justice Hill, he had two rushing attempts, a uh, couple targets in the passing game, and then his his short lived 
special teams. So that's four guys that really, you know, are, are restricted to special teams. And again, I'm not sure that that's efficient. Uh, 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 that's an no, efficient use I, I of 46 and guys. And let's be real. You have to put Seth Roberts into that equation right now. I mean, he's had a nice couple games, but he came here as a special teamer. You know, that's, that's why we appeared to sign him for that prowess. So I love that in some respects. I love the Wolfpack. I love making sure we can make those plays because when you don't have a good special teams unit, that sucks. I mean, let's face it. When you don't have any good unit on any side of the ball, it's going to suck. But, you know, bad special teams really is not special. So I, I, you're right. I mean, we're, we're, I want to have a good special teams unit. We definitely have too many roster spots dedicated to just, you know, specialist special teamers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess the reason that I started to say that is, um, like you said, we, you know, we got to get more out of them on, you know, offensive deep and defense for, for each person. But, you know, the guy that I'm kind of seeing is Justice Hill. I mean, he had 16 snaps on offense, which is only four fewer than uh, Gus Edwards. But, you know, we kept we keep hearing about his dynamic playmaking and we keep hearing we, we we kept seeing it. I'm sorry. In the preseason, you know, he's he's a really good runner. You know, trying to get the ball into this guy's hands is, is going to probably be a good idea. And, um, you know, be a, be a little bit more explosive with those snaps um, that, that we might be able to get him. So yeah, that's that's kind of a pattern that I'm seeing as well, just like inefficient roster spots. And I know not, not everybody can play every down or whatever like that. But I don't know. I, I mean, again, on defense, a guy like Anthony Levine only played 18 snaps. I think he could have a little bit more because I'm a big fan of Levine. And I've realized that I'm going away from special teams here. But. I don't know. I, I think we're going to see quite a juggle with that. And um, well, going just the roster sure. in general. I think. I think it. You know, you're you're still on point. I mean, because Levine. Let's face it. As good as Levine is as that, you know, fifth fifth DB that comes into the game. You know, he's still mainly a special teams player. So, you know, he's still he's that guy that we want everybody to be. You know, that special teams guy who, yeah, he's a core special teamer, but you know what? He's that sixth man on the basketball team that's going to come in and play pretty well if you need him to play on defense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I agree with you that we're definitely going to need to see some roster changes. I mean, you know, in a perfect world, you have a guy like Justice Hill who's – and I'm not saying we in any way we're going to get rid of Justice Hill or anything like that. But you want you want Justice Hill to be that kick returner guy, and then you know that's where he's getting a lot of touches, and then he can be that dynamic, you know, back that you put in occasionally, and he hits a home run. You know, a poor man's Ray mm -hmm. Bush. You know, mm -hmm. and that that guy who makes a lot of plays on special teams, and then can come in on third down, catch some passes, take a couple of carries to the house, all that kind of stuff. That's what you want out of Justice Hill, at least certainly as a rookie. Maybe we're seeing more of a guy who is like a Ray, Ray Rice, who, as much as we'd like to see him impact the team right away, it's not going to be really till year two to where he understands the NFL a little bit better and can really hit the hole and make the plays we want to see. Now, maybe that'll progress and he'll get better 
towards the end of the season where when we do see him on offense, he makes that spark. But I, I don't know that we're going to see him on special teams. I think we're, we're seeing why Justice Hill didn't have the special teams credentials in college or from yeah. college. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a good point to bring up because we said after the draft, he doesn't have any special teams experience, which is what we're looking for out of him. But, you know, we can only hope that he settles in a little bit, you know, whether it's on offense or on special teams as the kickoff returner. But, um, yeah, I don't I mean, know. if you recall, look, Ray Rice's rookie year, he barely saw the field yeah. at all. You know, a lot of people were wondering what happened. And then year two, boom. You know, he was the guy from basically Jump Street from training camp. He was the guy getting all the buzz, and and he blew up. So maybe that happens with somewhat with with the Justice Hill. You know, hopefully that spark happens a little bit sooner. We need him to be a special teams presence. So I don't. But you know, maybe we'll have to just lean on mostly you know Ingram and Gus Edwards. Who, by the way, you know the first couple weeks, I don't think. I think our offense looks better when we've got both Ingram and Gus Edwards involved rather than either leaning too much on Ingram. I forget which game it was. Maybe I'm thinking of the the uh, Arizona game where Edwards barely touched the ball. And I feel like on offense, not that we were bad that game by any stretch, but I just like that flow when you've got those two guys on, on offense as the running back. I don't know how much I like the team with Justice Hill because you've got so much other speed on the field. I like the, the threat of with that speed, we've got a hammer in the backfield. And to me, that continues to pump up the play-action passes that we've had such, such success with so far. I mean, that just continues to help play that up. Now, maybe I'm a little crazy, but that's, I don't know, that's how I feel at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, there's there's certainly a lot of merit to that, uh, for sure. And I don't Let's know really see. where I was going. We were talking about special teams, and I somehow turned that into running backs and digressing into that. But, you know, I we definitely have to, you know, circling back around, I mean, our roster management is definitely – a question mark at the moment. And it's not something that I would, it, it just is starting to show that our depth isn't as deep to steal the phrase from, from Mike Flanagan as we would hope it would be. Because right. we have guys that are special teamers, not guys that are, are core players that are also playing special teams. Right. Right, so maybe we can, um, you know, finish up our week four thoughts here. Are there concerns? Yes. Is the sky falling? No. Still got a lot of time to figure things out. You know, the season is still young. That was just the the one quarter point or the first quarter point um, of the season. A lot of important games coming up, though. So let's look forward to week five as the Ravens travel to Pittsburgh to take on the real rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are now at one and three after a Monday night win against the Bengals. Um, a lot of new faces here in, in this rivalry. No Big Ben, no Le'Veon Bell. We got Mason Rudolph, James Conner in the backfield. 
Lamar Jackson's even... first start in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit different of a feel to this game. Yeah, and it, it yeah definitely a little bit weird. So let's let's get right into it. What are some of your keys? I mean, we <laughs> you know we pretty much talked about all of them, but you know what do you think we need to do here? Well, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting for our defense to see if James Conner plays. You know, he's questionable right now, so that's going to be that's a big question mark for the team. I mean, if, if if he doesn't play, I think they should be able to hopefully, you would think, shut down their running game a little bit um, and 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 allow the DBs to relax and 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 play Juju and the rest of the Steelers wide receivers, Vance McDonald and the. The crew and maybe maybe have a decent game. I mean, I, you know, I, I Mason Rudolph hasn't played poorly. Mm-hmm. At least I wouldn't say he's had two touchdowns each each game so far that he's played. Um, you know, he's an intriguing young player for the Steelers at the moment. We'll see if he can play well against a average at best Ravens defense. Yeah, I mean Mason Rudolph doesn't really doesn't really go for the big play all that much, which we're used to seeing with Big Ben and with with receivers like Juju and you know they had Antonio Brown and um, you know Vance McDonald has been known for the big play as well. But it's going to be a little bit different than and like I said, those underneath over the middle routes is where you know the Ravens have struggled a little bit, and that seems to be where Mason Rudolph is comfortable going. So that's going to be really interesting to me. It's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens um, introduce these new linebackers. You know, how many snaps do they get? I would guess probably not that many. Um, but on the ground, uh, I think it seems that low. It seems as though the Steelers' offensive line has regressed a little bit. You know, they were always considered, you know, top of the line. You know, them and the Cowboys and. You know, those are the guys at the top of the list. It doesn't seem like they're as dominant this year. And, um, you know, even if, if even if James Conner isn't out, I am a little bit concerned about Jalen Samuels. I, I think he's a pretty solid player, you know, catching the ball as well. So, I, I you know, it's not Big Ben, but and, and it, you know, Mason Rudolph is a drop off from Big Ben for sure. But. Like you said, he's been like not bad in two games, and he has been bad in their week three game. So we'll see what kind of position he's in. You know, you know that the Pittsburgh's going to coach him up to do what he's comfortable with, and unfortunately, seems to be the Ravens' weakness in the passing game right now. But um, it's it's going to be like you said, it's going to be weird. It's going to be a lot of new faces, a lot of new names, and um, not. I don't think it's going to be that, you know, mid 2000s smash mouth football that we're used to. And, and it's been different than that for the past few years. But um, it's just going to I mean, be weird. It could still be smash mouth in the sense that, you know, I I still think the Ravens offense maybe versus, you know, T.J. Watt and, you know, some of the Ravens defend or excuse me, Steelers defenders, you know, maybe they're able to still have some of that smash mouth stuff. I don't see our defense, and I don't mean this necessarily disrespectful to our defense as much as I've trashed them um, over the course of this podcast, but they're not that deep. You know, they the Ravens' defense certainly doesn't have that same cachet it once had at the moment. The Steelers might still have a little bit here and there with some of their players, with some of that rough and tumble. Um, 
you know, we'll we'll see. I, I, I but I think that's that's the that's the area of the game. I think we're gonna see the the Raven Steelers matchup is you know the those hard Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards runs. I think, you know, we're going to keep seeing more and more of Lamar involved in the running game. I mean, shoot, last week he almost had a tremendous, like, 60-yard run for a touchdown but tripped over his own legs and and went down. I mean, so it's still ended up being, I think, 20 yards or something. I forget how long it was. But, you know, I think we're going to see more and more of Lamar involved in the offense in that respect, running the football um, we're going to see a little bit more of the trickeration only to, to revive the team some, you know, we, we've had this 40 point, uh, loss at home, not 40 point loss, but giving up 40 points at home and, you know, to a division rival, you know, and I, I think you're going to see, you hope at least that we're going to get to see the Ravens, you know, come together as a team and the offense, much like the defense has done over the years. say, you know what guys get on our back, let's roll. And they're going to have to do that for a couple games while the defense licks their wounds, gets their shit together. And I apologize. We can bleep that later, but you know, just try to, you know, Get the, this is that point in the season where, you know, you're watching the the season recap where the guy's like, and the Ravens were two and two heading into game five. And, you know, you know, and you've got like Earl Thomas going, yeah, man, I'm pissed. I'm ready to roll, you know, and Ray Lewis is giving them speeches. We pissed off for greatness, you know, and then they come in and storm the season. And that's the 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 game that turned the tide, you know. At this point, not to be too dramatic, but that that's what we're looking for from this team. You know, it's time to see the the spine that it has and whether they can, you know, live up to some of the lofty expectations that we've started to have. Yeah, I don't know about Ray Lewis, but they did get a speech from Ed Reed today. That they um, did. Yeah. So. I, yeah, yeah, this is a really, really important game. Uh, you know, first of all, because it's the Steelers and losing to the Steelers always sucks. But it's a chance for them to move back over 500. If they lose, they will drop into third place in the division behind the Browns and the Steelers. And um, yeah, I mean, like you can't you can't really understate the importance of this game. Uh, you know, every every game is a must win, I guess. But you know, this this one's really important for for history reasons and for just standings in the AFC and the division. And um, it's like you said, it's really going to show the spine of, you know, what does this team have? What does this coaching staff have? And um, it'll be, it'll be really key. If we look at the Steelers defense, you, you mentioned a couple of the guys um, you mentioned TJ Watt. They also have Bud Dupree on the other side. They have Cameron Hayward and Javon Hargrave, Stephon Tewitt up front. So they're starting to clean them, clean it up on that side of the ball too. Uh, but I do just overall think the Ravens are still better than the Steelers. The Ravens are a better team, and and they can go into Pittsburgh, clean some of the things up, and get out of there with a win. It's not as though they need to play an absolutely perfect game to beat this Steelers team. While while I'm not discounting the Steelers at all. They're not what they used to be. They're not what no. we're used to. 
this is a game that the Ravens need to win. The Steelers at this point are a whole lot closer to the Dolphins and Cardinals of the world than the Browns. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, the Ravens need to win this game, not just not just for the division, because they need to at this point, having lost a massive game to the Browns at home, they're going to need to basically sweep the division the rest of the way to try to make up some ground. And, you know, on, and on top of that, it's just a game that the Ravens should have expected to win, you know, just overall, at least at, at, I did it. it. Even if we were going to split with the Browns, I'd expect to win the game at home. Um, so thinking that we're going to split with the Steelers, I would expect to lose the game in Pittsburgh. So, we need to win tomorrow and we need or tomorrow on Sunday and we need to win at home against the Steelers for sure at this point if we're going to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, we just got to handle business uh, on Sunday, you know, as as much as you need to take from that game uh, against the Browns, you kind of just got to flush it and move on as well and you know, not get too down. Like I said, sky's not falling quite yet. So really, really need to go into Pittsburgh and win this game, look good, get the confidence back, get the swagger back. And then we get the Bengals and, you know, another division game. You know, they don't look very good this year. A.J. Green is probably going to be out. So, you know, that's starting to look like a winnable game because you don't have the Joe Flacco suffering from the Bengals kryptonite. So, I, like, these are two winnable games coming up, but it really, really starts with this with this trip to Pittsburgh and they just got to go take care of business. Uh, can I get a prediction out of you? You know, I'm going to say the Ravens win. I'm going to say it's a little bit closer than we want it to be, but still somewhat comfortable. I'm going to say 24 to 12. Um, no, no, let me take that back. I'm going to say 24 to 16. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be 22 to 20 Ravens. I think it probably comes down to a Justin Tucker kick. Haven't had one of those big, big kicks yet. And I think this is where it comes into play, especially in a difficult place to uh, kick field goals. Um, So I got a really tight game. I think I got some I got both teams making some mistakes, probably. And, um, you know, talent wins out. And I think that the Ravens are a little bit more talented than the Steelers. And they take that one home. Do you have any thoughts before we before we sign off? No, I mean, generally, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think this is a game the Ravens need to take. This is a game that, we, you know, not that we're pointing fingers at Lamar Jackson in any way, but this is the game that we need him to just take over and have a Lamar game and, you know, or what we hope to start calling Lamar games and, you know, really just kind of take over, whether it's running over them and just, you know, running for like 75 yards and a couple touchdowns and throwing for 150 you know, while Ingram and Edwards also have a nice day or, or what have you. But it's it's a game we kind of, especially after the loss to the Browns, just as a little pick-me-up, you know, hey, you know what? I'm your superstar. It's time for me to be your superstar. I mean, I, and I guess in some respects you can say I'm putting him on the bulletin board, you know, for next week because um, we kind of need him to be that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'd be kicking ourselves if we didn't mention Minka Fitzpatrick during this during this podcast and it just struck me that he's starting a free safety and uh, Ravens got after him in week one. I don't anticipate that same performance out of him 
uh, on Sunday, but it'll be interesting to see him again. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight. You know, one. speaking of Minka Fitzpatrick, just the fact that you know he was obviously traded. How do you feel at this point about adding someone like a Jalen Ramsey to the defense? Or you know, to me, and and I'll let you answer in a minute because I'm now I'm answering my own question. To me, <laughs> rhetorical. Exactly. Um, you know, look, he's a great talent. He'd be worth a first round pick or whatever. I'm sure. I don't see that being the position that helps us. If we were talking about, you know, at this point trading for a clowny or or a linebacker of some sort, middle linebacker or even a defensive end, you know, that to me would be a more impactful use of draft capital if we were going to make a trade than somebody like Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily just the secondary that needs help. I think everybody needs to do their jobs. And I think that really starts with the front seven. You know, having a brand having Brandon Williams healthy will help. I'm not sure that he's there right now, but you know, getting more out of these edge setters, um, you need more out of Tyus Bowser, you need more out of Jalen Ferguson, and you need more out of this middle linebacking group. So I don't think it's that secondary that's really gonna make that big of a big of an improvement based on how much we we would have to give up for Ramsey. Agreed. All right. Well, so in that case, you know, the Ravens really got to move to above 500 again to keep pace, and, and hopefully uh, the Browns have some trouble next week and we can jump back into that uh, division race. But, uh, Holly, you want to go ahead and sign us off? Well, everybody, it was good to be back after a, a week where my day job got in the way. but. We're glad that you joined us for another week of crab takes and football. Well, let's go. It's Steelers week. Let's go Ravens. Go Ravens.